evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders, and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets, where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited. This is going to be a good study. This one and next week will be good, I think, because we won't get through it, I don't think. No, no. Today. And I want to get to Hebrews, so we'll probably won't do that till next week. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word together and to study and to, and to see and to grow and to to apply. Father, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of this. And I pray, Father, your blessings upon all of us, those of us, Kel and I, as we teach, and, and those who are watching and who will, who will pay attention and listen to what we have to say. Father, I pray your blessings on all of us. I pray that you help us to grow and help us to mature, help us to, to help Jesus to be formed in each one of us as we move forward. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're in uh, Numbers 14, 10. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so just to recap, the, the spies have gone into the land. Two came back with a good report. Ten came back with a bad report. And they have whipped up the people. In fact, they... Well, they, they have... At this point, they have no idea what they've done. No. They, you know, God's... God's and we were talking about this before. What, God's idea of success is that we're obedient to him. Mm-hmm. That we do what he tells us to do no matter what. That's right. They have chosen when he's told them over and over to not do what he told them. Yep. They have come back and they are the they are the instigators yep. of disobedience and rebellion. That's the, these ten guys are going to be the instigators of disobedience and rebellion. He can't they, he can't you can't instigate rebellion from people who don't have rebellion in their heart. Well, and that's and that's the whole point, right? And this rebellion is centered around the fact that they do not have faith in God specifically. Yes, and by faith, we're talking about actionable trust. Mm -hmm. They do not believe that God has their best interests at heart. Yep. They do not believe that this whole exodus, this whole this whole mm -hmm. deliverance was mm -hmm. an actual deliverance, and they're constantly saying the same thing, we want to go back to Egypt. Yeah. And that's where they're 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 dead set on it. And so now they come out and they say, oh, there are giants in the land. And oh, yeah, it's yeah, it's good land, milk and honey and all that jazz. But there are giants and yeah. God's not going to save us from these yeah. giants. The, how could he possibly? Right. How could he possibly? I mean, he's he's only just, you well, know, is it the same way we think? Oh, yeah. All the time. I mean, yeah. you know, there are giants in our lives, too. Well, I, I say all the time. I, I don't think that's the case. Let me rephrase. Let me let me clarify what I'm saying. I think we struggle all the time that to trust in what God has said. And I think for many of us, that struggle centers around the fact that we don't know what God has said. Mm -hmm. And so because we don't know what God has said, how can we have faith in something we don't know? Well, and, because we think we know. 
And we think we know, we do. And you hear people all the time, well, God's going to deliver me from such and such thing. Mm-hmm. Why? We, Has God promised you that? We've been studying in, on Friday nights. We've been studying. Lately, we've been studying uh, in the Proverbs where it's uh, 30 of Solomon's wisdom statements. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, and I've been taking one of those or, or, or a snippet of one of those and ca- trying to connect it with some of our script reading for the week. Mm-hmm. Because everybody in the class says, oh, yeah, we're reading the script. Okay, well, then you are. Then let's see how it connects. Right. Let's see if we can connect this with this over here. And I'm amazed at how they're, they're going, what? Yeah. What? You know, and trying to teach them how to connect the dots so they can understand what God says. Mm. And then then they can make the decision whether they're going to apply it or not. Right. Once they understand what God says, okay, now I've got a decision. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. What do I do when God talks about, give me your heart? Okay, what does that mean? Right. And then we go into the Psalms and it says this, this, and this two or three times here. This is what it means to give God, that God's going to create my heart. And I've got to give it to him so he can create in me a good heart, contrite heart, a humble heart, repentant heart. You know, that kind of thing. So that's how we, that, and and it's because we really don't know what God says. Once well, we know, then we're responsible. Well, uh, yes and no. I would say that... Um, for a people who can download 50 different translations onto their phone, um, you have it available. It's not like, it's not like it's not available, Mm -hmm. right? So when people pursue, and this is essentially what Paul's talking about in Romans one, you know that there's a God, but you don't honor him or give him thanks. And it's certainly true for those who would say that they are Christians. Well, okay. You say you're a Christian, but then you don't bother learning anything about this God whom you say you serve, you know? Um, So are you going to be held accountable for that? Yeah, absolutely. Now it is true. James points out, you know, hey, let not many of you become teachers because you know that when you become a teacher, you're under a stricter, you're under a stricter judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that yeah, that's true. But the command from Christ is to go teach. Yeah, go teach as you live your life. Go and make disciples. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So what's the expectation? If you're a disciple, you're expected to actually learn. Right. The Hebrew writer says, hey, we don't want to have to go over all this easy stuff. We, we, I want to get into deeper things with you, but you're like children. You're, well, you're, he, you're not growing. Jesus tells us to hold on to his teaching. Hold on to it. I mean, that doesn't mean, oh, I, I got it. Yeah. That's not what it means to hold on to it. Hold it. It's like a mother holding on to, to great memories of their children. You know, you hold on to them. I have great memories of my grandson that died. The whole you know? point, the whole concept of discipleship, and, and this is something I think sometimes we, we forget or maybe we've never heard, but the whole concept of discipleship is that you become that person. That's the idea. So yeah. Gamliel was a was a famous rabbi, was a famous rabbinical mm-hmm. teacher, um, and we read about him in the scriptures, and he had three students. Paul was one of his students. Mm-hmm. The whole point of having three te- three students to one rabbi was that when that rabbi died, we now have three of him. And they would follow that rabbi around and they would eat like he ate. They would eat what he ate. They would sleep like he slept. The whole point was to become a little Gamaliel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jesus had 12. The point of his disciples were to become little yeah. Jesuses. Yeah. Right. And so this has always been the case. When we talk about following Jesus, we're not talking about like, oh, well, I'm going to try to do the best. I No, you're supposed to become exactly like him. Mm-hmm. This is why Paul in <laughs> Ephesians will talk about, you know, we're growing up into well, the head. And Galatians chapter 3 says, anyone who's been baptized with Christ have clothed himself with Christ. 
This is the expectation. And we totally forget it. You know, this is why I have that problem with that stair-step model of salvation mm-hmm. that Churches of Christ are kind of kind of famous for. Yeah. This, this is what I, I always forget what it is. Like, hear, repent. Hear, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Okay. So the problem I have with that is it gives a false impression mm-hmm. that, oh, I'm, I reached the top step. I'm done. No. No. That's just the bottom step of a new staircase. Yeah. You now you've got the growing and maturing and following the well, most intense. We ask ourselves, okay, well, yeah. how do we how do you connect that with here? They've been with Moses for two and a half years. They have seen the mountain blow up. They've heard the voice come from the mountain. They've seen okay. God kill three thousand of them when they made a golden calf. They you know, they lived through the deliverance of out of Egypt. Yeah, they lived through it. And and now they've come up and said, oh no 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 he's a liar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what they said. And yeah, and and man. if you look at verse ten, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Now they don't. Now they don't only want to call God a liar. They want to say, well, if you're following him, different than we are, then you're no good, and we got to get rid of you. So let's stop right here. Is Moses a success or failure? He's a success. Absolutely. Why? Because he did what God told him. Yeah, but nobody wants to listen to him. But it doesn't matter. Think about it. He's got. But he's it got the way we think in, in the United States today, right? He's got how many people in his camp? He's got him, Aaron, Miriam. No, no, like on his side of the issue, in his camp, right? So he's got him, Joshua, Caleb, Aaron, and Miriam. No, 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 no. At any given time, he may have some of those people. (laughs) I know, right? We just read about Aaron and Miriam. Sometimes he don't have Moses and Aaron, and, and I mean Aaron and Miriam, and he will have Joshua Pretty much most of the time, but even we don't ever read about Joshua. Not not no, we don't don't ever read. But you know that Joshua's going. Excuse me, excuse me. What 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 do you want to do? Really? Okay, I I trust you. Okay. Well, so you know, really, all Moses has got is God. Mm. That's all he's got. Really, that he can really depend on, Mm. because his track record is okay. Well, Joshua at some point is going to go too. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. So, well, I mean, so the whole assembly is talking about stoning them. So they have no faith. They're completely rebelling against God. And then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my parents told me, you know, don't, don't throw baseballs around in the house. Don't throw balls around in the house, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I can't, I can't, I think it was a baseball and I chucked it at my brother and I chucked it and it missed and it went right through the window at the same exact moment, the same exact second that my dad opened the door. <laughs> and it, whenever I read this, I think about that moment because that's exactly what it was. All these people are upset and angry and a tyrant. I'm picturing them out in the wilderness in this, this deserty area. And there's the tabernacle of the Lord. And... Moses is sitting here pleading with these people on his knees. Please do not do what you're about to do. And they're so upset and they're so angry because they just have no faith in God. Mm-hmm. And they're picking up these rocks. We're going to stone him and we're going to go back. We're going we're gonna to march back into slavery. Like the insanity of this moment. We're going to march right back into oppression, into slavery, into Pharaoh killing our children. We <laughs> prefer the darkness 
to this. This is John, by the way. John is, I, I think John is channeling all of this in his gospel when he says in John 3, 16, for they loved the darkness more than they did the light. Mm-hmm. Because that, this is what I, in my my mind, this is what's on John's mind. Well, he's talking about First John chapter 3. No, no, no. I'm talking about the gospel of John 3. So when it, John 3, 16, right, it says, for God so loved the world, he yeah. gave his only begotten mm-hmm. son. But af- right after yeah, that, right after, you're right. Right it, after it that, he yeah. talks about people loving the darkness more than the light. Yeah. And this is this is what I imagine is on that, it's on John's mind. Mm-hmm. Is because I mean this is insanity. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna choose slavery, oppression, and death over the God who but saved th- you. Think about it. Cole. How many people we deal with? Oh, all the time. That that we look at them and we, and we walk away and we're like we're like this. We're just we're just blown away because the insanity of what they're fixing to do. You know, I've I've, I've watched married couples. Oh, that yeah. that I'm going. I said, "Are you crazy, man? Well, I mean, what are what are you doing? This is a recipe for disaster. This this is gonna and it blows up in their face, and it's like they're shocked. How how can you be shocked? God said this. God said this. God said this. And you're going to do? I said, no. I don't really don't care anymore. It's like it, you know. It, it, to put it into a modern perspective, it's like you know the guy who designed the TV. And you're having trouble getting the remote and the TV to work, right? And the guy who designed the TV is sitting there telling you, do this. And you're going, yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah. It's like, dude, the maker is telling you how this works. Yeah. He made you. Yeah. He made her. He made you all to fit together. And he's telling you how it works. And you're going to look at him and go, nah, I got this. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would you do that? Yeah. But that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. That's and, exactly and, what and it doing. says. The glory of getting, you know, it came in the tent of the meeting. At, uh, and the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. You know, this is not the first time this has happened. Nope. You know, would, would you say on a scale of one to 10 how, how angry God is here? I mean, I, I, I look. Um, I remember the look on my dad's face when I spat in his face, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the look. I remember how angry he got, and I rem- I remember. And my dad wasn't perfect by any means, mm-hmm. and my dad, um, but he loved me and he did absolutely the best by me. And I can re- I can remember how upset he got, and I can imagine how upset I would be if my children did what I did to my dad. If they did that to me, I can imagine how upset I would be. This, this God is, I mean, when you lead somebody out by the hand, you know, this, and this is a popular criticism too. So, so think about it from this perspective for a second. People today constantly say, if God was real, why doesn't he show up and set up on a mountain? And the answer is because he's done it before. And the result was people did whatever they wanted to do anyway, Mm -hmm. because people don't care. Mm -hmm. People, people don't care. This is, I mean, it's like Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, the enemy's like, hey, you know, but yeah, when you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. God meets with them daily. He's dealing with them daily. (laughs) How easy would it have been been like, you know, this talking snake, there's something, this this flying talking snake, there's something funny about this guy. Maybe I ought to go ask God. Hey, God, why is this talking snake over here, you know, that just showed up in the garden one day? Mm -hmm. You know, what's his deal? They don't do that. And the, so this is these are people who had who knew who God was who've seen Him work and they still choose rebellion. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I'd be. I, I imagine God is pretty mad. 
I imagine he's pretty upset. I imagine this is not this. I don't think this is an empty or idle threat threat. People get into this funny, funny mindset where, oh, well, because God has foreknowledge, right? He he's he's planned all of this ahead of time. And it's like, well, well, yeah, he does have foreknowledge, but you have to understand his foreknowledge reaches to the conclusion of every possible event. It was possible that the Israelites wouldn't do this in the desert. That was an option open to them. They had that choice. Just like Cain had that choice when God looked at him and said, don't, you know, master the sin. Do not do what this thing is calling you to do. And Cain chose to kill his brother anyway. Well, God held him accountable for that because I, I, our choices matter. I think it's really, uh, I think it's a blessing that we can't see all the things that God knows. Mm. Because it would it would absolutely blow it would it would make us crazy, mm. you know. God gave us free will, sure. And sometimes our choices upset Him. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that their choice has upset Him. He knows what the end result's going to be. He knows what the plan's going to be. He knows what He's going to do. But it, this venting of this frustration is watching these people disobey again. Oh yeah. And He looks at Moses and said. Get out of my way, and I will turn this over and make you, and I'll give you children, and I'll bless a child from you. I'll make a child a promise from you. I'll wait till you're 100 years old, and I'll and I'll have and you'll have a child. Well, and let's not forget the the meta narrative here, right? So the the larger picture, the larger story here, because this doesn't happen. This isn't an isolated event here. So God is working to the salvation of all people. He's mm -hmm. working to the deliverance of all people. He's working to redeem creation. It's not just about them. It's not just about them. And he's chosen to do it through them. But he's got to teach them. He's got to, in the meantime, it's like it's uh, Jesus will say it this way. You know, and John will say it this way about Jesus in the Gospel of John. He came to his own, but they did, not, they did yeah. not recognize him. They did not. Well, they were supposed to. They were prepped. They were ready. And this is one of those design patterns that we where we see them getting ready what are they learning if you're an israelite and you're living in the land right because this is going to be deuteronomy when deuteronomy is being told it's being told to israelites who are already living in the land mm -hmm. so if you look at Deuter if you if you're thinking about that and i'm an israelite and i'm already living in the land and i'm hearing this story what am i supposed to be learning you're living in the time period of the judges my people are rebellious mm -hmm. my people are unfaithful God is doing everything to save us, and we're just ungrateful, you know, louts. Yeah. yeah. And even here, what does God provide in Moses? An intercessor. Mm -hmm. Because look at what Moses does. God says, I'm done with yeah. these people, and he certainly has the ability to wipe these people away and start over again in Moses. He mm -hmm. could do it. There's yeah. no reason why he yeah. couldn't. Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. And this is, how do we intercede? How do we intercede for people? Mm -hmm. How do we intercede? This is Moses is a case study in how to make intercess, intercession and how to do intercessory prayer and how to talk to God because Moses does, does an excellent job at this. He says, said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power, you brought these people up from among them and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people, and that you, Lord, have been have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Now, we say these people, people have already heard, Moses said these people, and we know that's true. Because 38 years later, 
Rahab, the first person they come to in the in the promised land at Jericho, says that very thing. We are all trembling in fear of you and your God because we've heard about what your God has done. But apparently not enough to repent. No. And this no. is something that this often people have really struggled with this mm-hmm. when, especially nowadays, when we start talking about colonizers and, and things of that, that type of perspective, um, people live in such a, such a quote unquote, great world that they've forgotten the realities and the barbary, the, the, the barbarity of, of mankind. But they're about to go into this world and depopulate it. They're about to go into this land and get, kill all these people. God's going to say, kill them all. Yeah. Right? Okay. Well, <clears throat> think about it. He says, kill them all. And then in the book of Joshua, we hear about Rahab, the prostitute who repents and who saves the spies and who gives herself, throws herself on the mercy of God. And how does God repay that? He accepts her. Mm-hmm. Not only does he accept her, but she's in the seed line of Christ for goodness yeah. sake. Yeah. So is God's command here? We have to really think about this. Is God's command here sacrosanct? Or is there no ability for these people to repent? Oh, there's an ability. If these people had heard of the mighty works of God in Jericho and had thrown themselves at his mercy, would not he have given them mercy? Yeah. Yeah. Look at what's about to happen to these people. These are his own people spitting in his face. And Moses makes a very simple appeal. Look, he's not just done. Look, God, what what is the argument? He looks at God and he says, now, wait a minute, God, for your glory. Do not do this thing, mm-hmm. but also this. And he's going to say, now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. The Lord, is, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation. Now, hold on. Wait a minute, Moses. That doesn't sound like a good strategy here. You just said God doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. You just said he's a vengeful God. and He's going to punish... But he said the first part too. God is both these things. He is merciful and he is justice. Mm-hmm. He is love and he is patience and he is kindness. <laughs> he is all those things, but he also has justice. So Moses is throwing themselves. They don't deserve what they deserve here is justice. Mm-hmm. But Moses throws himself on the mercy of God. He throws these people on the mercies mm-hmm. of God. And then he says in verse 19, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them every, uh, from the time they left Egypt until now. So Moses, he recognizes that God is justice, but he also recognizes that God is mercy. Mm -hmm. He recognizes that God has to punish the guilty, but he also recognizes that God doesn't want to do that. God wants to save. God wants to redeem. So we forget this. We look at this statement that God is a God who is slow to anger, bounding in love, but then we totally ignore that part of it. and We focus on, and he punishes the children up to the third and fourth generation. Well, what does this people deserve? They deserve punishment yeah. and they deserve it up to the third and fourth generation, but that's not what God's going to do. He's not going to give them what they deserve. This no. is what we should be learning from this. And then we, we mischaracterize God. This is why I say all the time, People who say that the God of the Old Testament is mean and nasty and cruel and all these things have never really read the Old Testament because he's anything but that. Yeah. He is constant. I mean, if God was mean, old and nasty, all those things that we say that people say about it. But if you read it through the prism of that mindset, that's what you will see. Mm -hmm. You can see that. But if you read it, if you read it through the prism. If you just, you know, cherry pick. If you read it through the prism of trying to understand God and try to understand like we're doing here with with what we're trying to help these people to figure this out then then you uh 
then you start to see the mercy of God. You start to see the grace of God. You start to see God telling Abraham the gospel first. You know, hey, I'm going to save people. You know, that's what he says in Galatians 3, that he he taught, he taught the gospel first to Abraham. You know, we, we think, well, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, but it's about the salvation that God provides to his people. That's what the gospel is. Well, the gospel that, so Paul, it's actually really interesting to hear what Paul calls the gospel. Mm-hmm. And because if you go through and you study all the books, it doesn't all line up. It's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's because the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is the confirmation of the gospel. The gospel is preached by Jesus during his lifetime. Yes, it is. it's the coming of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And people want to say, well, that kingdom hasn't come. That's nonsense. Mm -hmm. He's seated at the right hand of God. He has been given all authority under heaven and earth. The kingdom is already here, people. I don't know what to tell you. It's already here. When you look at the word, the gospel, we've made it into a thing. Yeah. Yeah. We made it into a thing, into an it. Instead of making it into a lifestyle. That's a good point. That's a very good perspective. You know, the gospel is a lifestyle. It is. It is. We are now all one yes. in Christ. And we all love each other. Supposed and we're to. all And we're all committed to each other. Supposed to. That's supposed what to. the church is supposed to be. It's a new community. It's not, it's not a country club. It's not a, it's not a, a place down the street on a corner where we go on Sunday morning and, and all the rest of the time it's all locked up. That's not what this, that's not what it's, that's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is about a lifestyle. Jesus talked about it over and over and over. Yeah. God's talking, God's telling them it's about a lifestyle guys. Yeah. Well, and notice that's Moses's first part of his appeal. Yeah. If you get rid of these people, if you do this, God, well, then all these other nations are going to hear about it. Yeah. Well, what does God care one whit about them nations? I thought he, I thought he cast them off. No, 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 no. See, Moses understands it here. And he's already talked about it with Abraham, right? And all the nations of the world be blessed through you. And we've already seen some of that happen. God didn't just provide provide food through this huge famine. Remember back in Genesis, you know, with Joseph? Mm-hmm. He didn't provide food just for Egypt. He provided just for the for, evil too. He provided it for everyone. everybody. He delivered everyone through it. So you're already starting to see how God blesses he the said, nation. He said, he tells us that he makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust. You know, everybody gets blessed. Well, and Paul picks all this up in, in, in Mars Hill when he's in Athens and he's preaching on Mars Hill. And he says, God, God designated these nations. He set these boundaries so that they might seek him. Yeah. I mean, look around us today. Look at the evil that's around us today. Mm-hmm. The mindset of people today that are so far away from God. God still loves them. Well, Western civilization, what we're seeing is Western civilization is turning its back on Christianity. Yes. And it really it really started during the Enlightenment. It wasn't very enlightened, by the way. You know, I go back and I look at biblical scholarship under during the Enlightenment period, right? So during this time, this modern man kind of thing coming it's kind, out. It was kind of the back in the day, I remember... You know, people preaching about humanism and humanistic, yeah. well, uh, humanistic mindset. The the principles of the Enlightenment are we're going to te- or empiric- empiricism. We're going to test everything, which I think is fine. I th- look if you want to be skeptical. I think we should be skeptical about things. Christianity makes some crazy claims. Somebody well, came back from the dead. Yeah, that's a crazy claim that needs to be tested, and I have no problem testing it. And what you find out when you test it is that it's more reliable. There is more evidence yeah, for it yeah. than Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon. Yeah. Like the way we think about and, and structure history, there's more evidence for that than there is that the, the, the first cities were in Sumeria. So, I mean, it's, it, it really blows your mind. It's a te- it's, we can test that claim and it comes up more robust. There's more evidence for it than many other claims that historians make. So 
I have no problem with someone saying, I want to test it. But what happened during the Enlightenment was not a spirit of open and honest inquiry. They decided. We went from presupposing that these texts were true. We went from that extreme to presupposing that they couldn't be true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what came out of the Enlightenment. And so now all of Western civilization that, by the way, built up into, because based on Judeo-Christian values, built up into this point where we could start testing things and thinking mm -hmm. about things logically, instead of going, instead of pursuing the scriptures like that, they said, nope, it is absolutely impossible that someone come back from the dead. Yeah. And we don't care what evidence. Yeah. And so it went from a healthy skepticism to a philosophy of skepticism, well, which absolutely destroy, is destroying our societies today. Well, let's look at God's response to them. Yeah, we went far afield. Let's no, come back. You went far afield. I went far afield. Let's <laughs> I come back. We, I'm going, we're we going to stop this. Yeah. Coming back to the text now. <laughs> they said, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs performed in Egypt and the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Dude, There's that text. I was looking for. There's the text you were looking for. Looking and he for. said, he said, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one has treated me with a condemn. If you go and we're not going to go there yet, no, probably we'll next talk week. About it next week. But when you go to the book of Hebrews, that word oath there is important. Oh yeah. God never intended to destroy all these people. Never. He can't because he promised on an oath to them. He made a promise. And it says in the book of Hebrews, it says by these two things, God can always be believed by him swearing an oath and by his promise that he made. You know, so here he said, he said, you know, I promise on oath to their ancestors. No one who's treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb was a different, has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the, in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. All right, I'm, I've got to finish this. <laughs> Hold on a minute. I'm expecting, you know. The, and he said, he said, the, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, uh, how long will this wicked com uh, community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, here, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will, fa will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who, has, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land. I swore to you. Uh, with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, and I don't know how you say that guy's name. Jephuna. Jephuna. And Joshua, son of Nun. Yeah, and then he's and he's for and then he says this for your children. I'm gonna give this land to your children. Yeah, I love this. So 31, this is this is really important. As for your children, I mean it's all really important, but look at this. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. Wait a minute. I thought he punished the sin of the fathers up to the third and fourth generation. Wait a minute. In practice, it doesn't look like that's what he does at all. Let's talk about that next week. I mean, there's so much here. We're oh. going to have to go back. We're oh, no, we will. Back. We will. I mean, we I want to go into the book of Hebrews yeah. because there's two places in the book of Hebrews I want to go to next week in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, and I think it's in Hebrews chapter 6 or 7. I want to go in there and I want to look at this where it talks about the oath and where it, where where God explains to the to the people that the Hebrew, Hebrew writer is talking to. He explains to them, 
Be careful what you're doing because you're going to do exactly what they did and you will not get to rest. Well, I mean, in the, in the Hebrew, the, it's interesting how uh, the Hebrew letter is almost a, a direct parallel mm. to this event because yeah. that's exactly what you have in yeah. Hebrews. The problem in Hebrews is you have a bunch of Israelites who have converted to Christianity and who are talking about going back. back. Now, when you consider that, think about the, there's this really scary passage in Hebrews where he says, <laughs> and if we do that do that There's there no more is sacrifice. no more sacrifice yep. for sin Chapter Hold 10. On. is he saying there that if we sin there no, no, is no, no if no. we continue to sin or is he saying there if we walk away from christ under the old law there is no longer any sacrifice for sins yeah you gotta really gotta think if about you look that. at the context he said he said as you as you've trampled on the on the on the blood of the son of god you treated an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant. Mm -hmm. He said, if you do that, then there is no more sacrifice for you. You're done. You're done. Go back to that. There's no more. It's done. Because there isn't anything in the law to so get you there. He, is he saying that you can't come back? No, 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 no. Or is no. he saying that that system is done? No, you can't go back and offer he's sacrifices. System, he's saying the system's done. And right. But if, you, if these people go back, that means they turn their back on Christ. That's what he's going to talk about. If they turn their back on Christ, they're not going to come back anyway. They're done. Mm. And that law can't save them. And it won't save them. They're done. So anyway, let's pray, guys. We're done. There's there's a whole lot. Woo, we gotta, we're going we're gonna to come back through here. Yeah. We're going to talk about the 10 times. We want to talk about the oath. Yeah. And I think we need to talk about this in 31. Now, wait a minute, God. You said you punished yeah. the sin of the fathers yeah. of the third and fourth. There's well, a lot of We're going to talk about it next week. we got a good class next week. Got, got well, good. there's no way we're going to get all of this done in one. No, no, no. A couple of classes. All right, let's pray, guys. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the power of the word. Again, we thank you, Father, for the for the, the revelation of it and the opportunity we have to study it and to grow and for, for us to have a relationship with you. We know that you what you said about the truth. We know that, that it's like a double-edged sword. It cuts. And Father, it can change people's lives and can change our hearts. And I pray that, that, that you use it on us to do that. Change us, Father, into the people that your son died to make us. Father, change us into the people that can, that can accomplish your tasks here on earth. Change us, Father, into the people that you, that you glory in and that you love and that you care about and that can be called your children. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity. Bless us as we continue that study. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.